From WNIN, this is Que Pasa Midwest. 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 Telling the stories of Latinos from the homeland to the heartland. Soy Paola Marisán. Hola, I'm so glad to be back para esta temporada. Ya estamos en season 6, can you believe it? Gracias a todos for always listening and sharing our content. In season 6, we explore how Latinx in the Midwest are recovering from COVID-19 in varias áreas, like economic recovery, physical health, salud mental, educación, and unemployment. Episode 1 will resonate with many parents caught up in the need to work while also caring for their children forced out of school by the pandemic. In este episodio, I want you to meet Amy Gastelum. You may have heard her in otro de nuestros episodios contando como su abuelo nunca le dijo que tenía ascendencia mexicana and how she was learning about her identity. In this episode, Amy nos cuenta how she navigated healthcare while pregnant and unemployed while being a mom to a six-year-old and still caring for some of her patients, Amy es enfermera. Some of Amy's patients are undocumented or con problemas financieros, so she tells us how after quitting her job, she had to enlist in Medicaid, something that some of her patients are not even eligible for. So in this episode, we talk about how the pandemic highlighted the need for better healthcare options for pregnant women de recursos escasos. Like hundreds of thousands of other women this year, I left my full-time job during the pandemic so I could be available to my six-year-old child, whose school keeps closing. This choice left me without employer-sponsored health insurance. Turns out, I'm part of a growing mass of people applying for Medicaid right now for similar reasons. Like many parents during this pandemic, Amy se quedó en casa con su niña de seis años para ayudarla a estudiar, pero también siguió apoyando a some of her patients who were also pregnant. My work was to visit low-income first-time moms in a relationship-based nurse home visiting program. In late March, after lockdown, we moved our visits to video chats or phone calls. Many of my clients were undocumented and increasingly desperate as the lockdown cut them off from work. They were the first workers to be let go with no chance of unemployment benefits or even a bailout check. The stakes were incredibly high with people I cared deeply about. Amy says her six-year-old will come with her to deliver some necessities to some of her patients que tenían menos que ella. Sometimes I could get us out of the house by bringing food, clothing, car seats, formula, or diapers to my clients. I dropped the items outside my clients' doors, knocked, then walked back to the car. I talked to my moms while they stood in their doorways, and I stood near the road. I couldn't hold their babies or take their blood pressure, but I wanted them to feel cared for. We air-hugged and teared up in blue kisses. We asked God to bless each other. Que Dios le bendiga, amor. These weren't easy days, but the worst day, the day I knew we couldn't keep going like we were, was sunny and warm. I was translating an important job interview for a desperate client when Bobby wandered out of the house without me knowing. Amy llamó a la policía, pero luego de 20 minutos de buscarla por el vecindario, Amy's partner found Bobby safe and brought her back home. This is just one of the many scenarios mom have dealt with during esta pandemia. The rest of the day was shot. 
My mind couldn't make much of anything make sense, and I allowed myself to be dumb and forgetful and clumsy because I was pulsing with adrenaline and cortisol. We had survived that incident, but I'd been frightened enough to realize I needed to take care of my child full-time and quit my job, which meant I lost my health insurance right when I got pregnant. Por todo lo que estaba pasando en medio de la pandemia, Amy was forced to quit her job, lo que resultó en perder su seguro médico y la obligó a aplicar for Medicaid. For years, I've battled with Indiana's iterations of Medicaid. As a public health nurse serving refugees and low-income citizens and people who are not American citizens, I got to know the ins and outs of what is and isn't available in our state's public health care system. The process of providing all the necessary documents to the state can be harrowing. But more than that, our society has enfolded public services, including health care, in shame, a powerful tool that keeps people from accessing these services, even when they qualify. And shame can make the experience of using these services additionally awful. Now that I'm using Medicaid, I've wondered if the administrator at the midwife's office is going to treat me different from patients with private insurance. I've seen this happen with my clients. Family and friends go silent when I tell them I'm using Medicaid, as if they don't know what to say, as if they wonder how someone with my work experience and my degree can be so needy. Amy describe lo difícil que es aplicar para el proceso de Medicaid. Especialmente cuando no entiendes las reglas, el idioma, o no tienes los papeles necesarios para ser aceptado. According to the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services' latest data, more than 72 million people were enrolled in Medicaid. Ella describe cómo le daba vergüenza hablar de que ahora era parte de los muchos que están inscritos en el seguro médico del gobierno. Getting past this emotional discomfort in order to apply was difficult enough. The logistical requirements of applying for Medicaid to cover my current pregnancy during a global pandemic were ridiculously complicated. For applicants without my nursing background and my printer, I imagine it's even more difficult. Many of my clients from Central America and Mexico stop working while they're pregnant. This hiatus is often due to concern over a mom doing too much physical labor at work or being exposed to dangerous chemicals. Reasonable concerns. But also, it's to ensure the mom isn't too emotionally taxed. A common belief is that the mother's emotions pass directly to the baby, so her family often treats a pregnant mom with great care during this time. While there's no evidence that a fetus feels sadness when her mother feels sadness, the literature proves that chronic and even acute stress in a pregnant person can cause serious and lasting problems for her health and the health of her unborn child. Mainstream America doesn't seem to care. In 2013, I visited a young pregnant woman who lived in Brooklyn with her boyfriend and his family. I was there as a nurse to answer her questions and help her navigate the transition to motherhood. We became close, sharing meals and laughing at the small parrot her family let out of the cage sometimes. He had a nasty attitude, but he was so tiny and pretty they allowed it. I became pregnant with Bobby during our relationship, and when she had her baby, I arrived at her apartment with a backpack full of paperwork and an infant scale slung over my shoulder. I was huge with baby, and it was August. I slowly walked up the three flights of stairs to her apartment, sweat pooling between my breasts and down my back. Her father-in-law worked nights, so he was there when I visited in the daytime. He always sat in an armchair, wearing a tank top and watching Univision. That day he shook his head, considering my mass, and told me it was shameful my employer had me working like this in my condition. 
He said there were problems in the Dominican Republic, but that there was no way a woman as pregnant as I was would be expected to work like this. I smiled and dismissed it, grateful for our country's hard-won pregnancy anti-discrimination laws, which allowed me to provide for my family. But now I understand his incredulity. The legal solutions we came to in the 1970s don't sufficiently support pregnant people. They should have served as a stepping stone to prioritizing the health of our moms and babies, but instead we got stuck at you have the right to work yourself sick while pregnant. Like Amy, there's so many other women que tienen que pasar por esto y más. Recent reports have shown that in this country there have been 300,000 fewer babies born during this pandemic than expected. This is not surprising. It's a lot of work to raise children well, our future leaders, and parents can't do it without help and support. While I still fight the urge to explain my decision to quit my job and apply for Medicaid to people who don't really need to know all of my business, I'm nurturing the tiny part of myself that knows I'm honoring my values. I'm learning to include myself in the masses of women I've advocated for and to convince myself that, like them, my children and I deserve support. Shame, lack of resources, and information can be a game-changer for so many, but during esta pandemia, muchas de estas situaciones fueron destacadas por la multitud de personas que se quedaron sin empleo. Amy was able to receive Medicaid and continues to recover economically and mentally from this pandemic, something so many are trying to do. ¿Tienes una situación similar? ¿Has aplicado para Medicaid? ¿Cuál fue tu experiencia? Déjanos saber. Let us know your thoughts. Tweet us at Que Pasa Midwest o envíanos un mensaje privado. Esto nos trae al final de este episodio. Gracias a Amy for sharing her story and Maria Thomas for helping produce this episodio. I'm Paola Marisan. Dinos, ¿Qué Pasa Midwest? 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 Telling the stories of Latinos from the homeland to the heartland. Soy Paola Marisán. Support for this podcast comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.